popping in here differently. Um, you may have noticed, you probably did, um, that uh, there is no typical intro music or intro snippet today. Uh, I'm recording this um, on uh, November 4th, the day before this goes live into your earbuds and the day after election day in the U.S. And um, while I may not technically be an American citizen as I am from Canada originally, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's been a while, so that might be a, a fun new fact for a lot of you. Um, I have lived in this country for 11 years and called Chicago my home for that whole time. And uh, the last uh, 24 hours have been a lot, and I know this year has been a lot, and for many of us, um, our lifetimes have been a lot, um, depending on how we have lived and who we are and what our privileges are. And I, um, you know, I wrestled with the idea of not releasing a podcast episode today, um, but this conversation felt like the right time to drop, um, and to share with you, um, and so I'm following my, my gut, my gut tugs, as I always say. Um, and also trusting that um, you will put this in your earbuds when it's right for you and your heart. Um, <laughs> you know, I just want to say, you know, I, I'm, I may have um, some ways that I'm marginalized as, um, as a woman, as somebody who um, is part of the LGBTQ space, even though uh, often my relationships uh, don't always uh, seem that that way. (laughs) I often probably appear to not exist in that space, but y'all know that I am. And um, also as somebody with a predisposed um, condition who gets her health care in America with BRCA um, mutation, and and also I am... um, wildly privileged (laughs) as a white person and um, as many other things as well and to witness this country being in such a divide um, and being awakened to the gravity of that this year um, is something uh, I've owned (laughs) And um, I'm continuing to own and continuing to sit sit with. And I just wanted to remind you that no matter where you are at in your process of understanding, of feeling, um, and no matter what is currently happening um, with the numbers and the polling, because as I said, I'm I'm recording this a little afternoon Central Time. Um, so I have no idea what's actually happening in this space. If you're listening to this in real time or uh, a few days later or a week or whatever. Um, but I just want to remind you something that I've been reminding myself, which is that at the core, there is no right or wrong way to navigate this time, this year, 
um, just your way and that we are all coming into the collective experience as also as individuals who have very different experiences growing up, um, very different traumas that we've experienced in our lives and very different heritage and lineage that we are coming from and also very different mental health spaces and just all the things and there's a lot of people out there right now um, expressing what we should be doing and should be feeling and as somebody who has lived a lifetime of operating from the shoulds and who has uh, been viscerally moving against that um, to be able to find personal liberation uh, these last few years and who um, I finally feel like I'm personally and individually uh, feeling that space um, right now and I will talk more about that on the podcast when the time is right because now it's sure as fuck not Um, but I just want to remind you that, um, there are no shoulds here. And if you're feeling like you should be able to get off the floor, it's okay if you can't. And if you feel like you should be maybe feeling more things, but you're just in, you know, I need to focus mode and I'm just going to get all the things done because that's what's serving me that's okay too. And all of the things in between. Um, In the last 24 hours, I have literally been through all of the things and I've been in my feels. I've been sobbing so hard. I could hardly function. I um, have been hopeful and filled with hope and filled with feels. Um, And I was eating pizza and laughing and I was... um, sitting outside and numb and I was emotionally eating and stress eating and then I was not able to eat from the anxiety. I just, there is so many things that we are sitting with and that's just my personal experience. And I just want to remind you that whatever you're navigating right now is okay and that there is no right or wrong way to be right now, just your way. Um, so, Yeah. With that, um, today on the podcast, I would like, you know, normally have all the things. It just didn't feel right to start from a place of, you know, um, little intros and stuff. I just wanted to come here and fully be present with you in my my current state as of, you know, 12, 12 15 p.m. Central on November 4th. Um, having had a, a feels morning, a super my feels morning and, um, and coming at this, uh, and, and, and in this episode with love and, um, and showing up in your earbuds or however you're listening to this, um, fully as, um, as I am in this moment. And I also want to acknowledge that this episode was recorded, um, a few weeks ago. And um, what I love about this conversation and why I felt so compelled to share it today is I just, I love this human. Um, Alyssa is somebody who I have known 
you know, far, far away, I guess I would say, like, you know, in the Instagram space and also in the BRCA space um, for the last couple of years. And, you know, I think we have always sort of circled around each other. And we talk about this in the episode a bit, but her heart is is I just dearly love this human like truly and um, I'm really really thrilled that we were able to have this incredibly honest and candid and just beautiful honestly conversation around navigating grief and trauma and um, specifically for her chronic illness and um, and how we we move through that Um, and she is you know she specializes um, in the coaching space and and also just as a human um, in the space of of sex and intimacy Um, she also has you know is a licensed therapist um, and I just couldn't have imagined a more thoughtful and loving human to have this really expansive and and open and um and you know very very uh candid conversation around these topics and I think it's something that I was feeling so called to share with you today this conversation because while we recorded it a few weeks ago um you know I think all of us have been navigating so much trauma and grief this year (laughs) collectively and individually and Uh, you know, we talk about it in a myriad of ways, um, and also talk about ways that have been really light. It's a really fun conversation. It's a really, um, uh, just beautiful conversation. And like, we, we are like the same person, truly. Like I, I, you're going to listen to this and be like, oh, she is Amanda. Um, like she swears like me, um, you know, she's, super super like just fully herself and um and um operates and shows up from a place of true vulnerability and and honesty and silliness and um I just really know this is going to bring some light into your darkness and what she specializes so deeply in is pleasure and it's something that I have been personally um, bringing into my practice, uh, you know, more as often as I can. This year, I've been really trying to do that amidst the darkness. But especially these last few weeks, it's been really helpful to me. And um, we redefine what that even means because I think when we hear the words pleasure or even sex, we initially and immediately just go to like, okay, we're going to be talking about penetrative sex and today um, you are going to have your brains open to how pleasure can look like the smallest things. And if there's anything I know that's been helping ground me during this time, um, it's finding small moments of pleasure and finding small moments of peace and grounding and um we share a lot of things about that in this episode and also what's been working for us personally and also I think just listening to this in general is going to be something that will gift you that I also before we quickly um hop in I wanted to lovingly remind you that 
um, we are a little less than um, a week away from the Live Your Fuck Yes Life Summit. Um, and that's the deadline to be able to purchase your tickets to that is the end of um, the day or the end of the day on the 13th of November because um, the group is open and live um, as of the 14th. If you've already bought your tickets, um, you can already hop into the group. Um, we're doing it in a private Facebook group. Um, so make sure that you check out the description section in the Eventbrite link. Um, you can go to the show notes to just be able to snag it really quickly or just look up Live Your Fuck Yes Life Virtual Summit. And the fuck is the same way as it is in um, the podcast title with the star um, or the asterisk, I guess, technically. Um, and in the Eventbrite search link. And you can um, get your $29 tickets there if you haven't already. Um, but I invite you to... Hmm, Give your gift yourself the space of um, being able to either you know attend live on the fourteenth um, for these incredible um, slew of guest speakers and workshops, or um, or just snag your ticket so that you can be in the Facebook group and come back for the replays when when works for your heart. Um, they're going to be up for anybody who has a ticket, so don't you worry if you can't make it live. Um, really this space and this um, experience is all about grounding and all about peace and all about creating a little bit of internal light amidst the external chaos. And no matter what is going on right now as you're listening to this, um, and no matter what the results are of this election, I think we collectively as humans need those things more than ever. Uh, and I'm so, so, so excited to um, be in space with you and um, for you to experience um, some grounding and some magic amidst the dark. Um, I, I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited to be there with you. And um, I know it's it's giving me some light to hold on to <sighs> and a way to exhale. Um, and I I can't wait to see you in there. So again, um, you can check out the tickets at the show notes. Um, they're only $29. Um, if you, for some reason, are in a space right now where you cannot afford that, please DM me on Instagram and um, we will find a way to you know get you in that space. I don't want cost to ever impact your ability to be present and for some of us right now um, we don't have jobs or furloughed and all that stuff so please just reach out I will always find a way for you um, you can find me always at Instagram at Amanda Catherine Loy Catherine with a K and otherwise I will see you in that space and I uh, yeah I love you all so much and I hope you enjoy this conversation with the incredible Alyssa Pressman as much as I did. And um, yeah, here we go. Hi, Alyssa. Welcome to the pod. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Amanda. I always find it so weird when I do my introductions because I'm like, we've been talking. (laughs) I know. Like a chunk. Hi again. All right. I guess we're going to intro now. (laughs) Um, Y'all, I am so excited to welcome this soul on this podcast because I feel Mm -hmm. like I feel like we are we were meant to meet 
I truly believe this. You you will find out why as this episode goes on. Um, and the work that you do, I think, is – I don't think I've witnessed somebody online speak about this work in the way that you do it. And um, it's so, 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 so palatable to my heart and what I, what I do as a human as well. And I just think that, like, every one of you is going to immediately just, like, fall in love with this being. So I'm so excited that you're here. I'm receiving that. That's such a high compliment. So thank you so much. Yeah. I'm so, so, so excited. Okay. So since you're new to the pod. Yeah. And we never had you on. I would just love to, like, hear from your heart because obviously I'm going to do an intro and stuff. But I would just love to hear from your heart. Like what you do in this world yeah. and who you are and like, yeah, I know that's kind of a very vague thing, but I just wanted you to kind of go with where your heart takes you and what you want people to hear. Yeah, I would say, so I'm a licensed clinical therapist and I'm also a certified sex and relationship coach. And my work right now really is involved in supporting women through coaching um, in really coming home to themselves. And so that looks like getting closer to themselves, creating an intimate relationship within themselves, uh, getting closer to the people that are important to them and the relationships that matter, and then getting closer to their own lives to figure out how do I live my life in a way that feels good and in alignment with my unique desires and the truth of who I am and how I want to live, right? Because so many of us um, wake up one day and we're like, what the fuck? is happening. Like this isn't what I want. There's things that I'm doing and ways that I'm living that actually don't align with me at all. Mm -hmm. And so I really love supporting people through that. And one of the big pathways that I found for myself and in supporting clients is cultivating like joy and intimacy and pleasure um, within ourselves first, because that changes the way we show up in relationships and that alters the way we show up in our lives. And I Mm -hmm. know that you know this based on the things that you share, like our relationships are, that's like the sustenance of our lives. Mm. That's the things that are so rich. Um, and so I talk a lot about sex and I talk a lot about pleasure. And in the work that I do, it always comes back to relationships with mm. ourselves, with other people, because that's how, that's the stuff that matters. Yeah. yeah. I want to deep dive into that more, but before I do, yeah. I'm curious, like what brought you to that work and this yeah. work? Because like what, what about your personal experience was like, this is the work I need to be doing. Oh, yeah. This is what feels like aligned and excited for me. Yep. I, um, so I went to grad school and I got my master's in social work and, um, I actually kind of going back in time at, I think I was 20, I was 20 when I was diagnosed with a chronic illness that causes like severe pain in my entire pelvic region like my vulva, my vagina, um, Mm. it's centered around my bladder in that whole area. And I was 20 years old, I was uh, a junior in college, and it took the doctors a long time to even figure out what was going on. But I was like, all of a sudden in crippling pain. And I felt like my life just like stopped. Yeah, that sounds awful. And yeah, and I was, you know, everyone at that age, you feel invincible, most people, you know, it's college, and I was a big time drinker and partier at that point in my life. And all of that kind of had to be changed. And it was a huge wake up call for me. It changed the way I was like a high, you know, I'm a person that navigates anxiety. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was like type A perfectionist to the max. Mm. And I didn't think my drinking was a problem because I was still doing so well in school and I had internships. And that health diagnosis, it just changed the way I 
dealt with my body and my relationships. Um, and it was really, really difficult. Did they ever figure out what it was specifically? Yeah, I have um, interstitial cystitis. It's also known as IC. And it's basically when um, the lining of the bladder gets so damaged or it goes away completely and they don't know what causes it and there's no cure. But like we all have this protective barrier over our bladders and mine's so damaged. And so anything I put into my body, like it's like pouring alcohol on an open wound. Yeah. So I have to be so careful about what I eat, what I drink, and then stress management. Yeah. So that was a huge turning point for me. And it started affecting my sex life. And I went through a period when I was in graduate school um, where I could not have penetrative sex, like penis and vagina sex. I could not put anything inside of me without having a severe flare up. And it created this like really painful relationship between sex and my pain. Yeah. And I was so ashamed because at that point I was early twenties. I didn't know anyone my age who was dealing with stuff like that. I didn't tell anybody. I was just devastated. I felt like I was being punished Mm. for like being a sexually vibrant young woman and like enjoying it. I was like, this is it. I'm being fucking punished for that and the behaviors that I engaged in. And I like shut down, like my pussy went Mm. offline. She was like, we're closed up shop. And so, you know, going, learning to be a therapist and working in that arena, I started taking uh, sexuality courses and like programs to reconnect with my sexuality in in a more holistic way, because I felt so sad that I had lost that piece of myself for so many years and I wanted it back. So that's kind of how I got started. And I also went to pelvic floor physical therapy. I cannot recommend that. I was going to say, because as, so I haven't actually talked about this on the podcast, but I really want to have a a pelvic floor specialist on here because I know one you do. Okay. I know of one that I got to send your way. I know after, because I, I genuinely have been looking for like somebody I think would really vibe with the pod. And I just, I personally, the last I want to say a year, maybe a little bit more, have for the first time ever in my life been navigating pelvic floor stuff. And it's because yes. my pelvic floor is too tight. Yes. Which Hello. Is, which is really interesting. And like when mm-hmm. I went to see my my amazing gynecologist who I'm obsessed with, and she she actually is BRCA special, like I said, BRCA specialized wow. OBGYN. And I'm so grateful to have her in this yes. space. But I went and I was like, I don't know what's going on. And, you know, okay, so fun fact about Alyssa as well. She's also BRCA positive. So this is actually how we initially connected. And I'm sure we'll get into that more. But a big part of being BRCA positive is that you not only have to think about breast cancer, but also ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. And when I was having pain with penetration and intercourse, I was like, I have ovarian cancer. Like, I'm going to cry. I haven't talked about this. But, like, I genuinely was so terrified about it. And I was like, Okay, so I immediately booked a, booked a thing, and I was like, okay, I need to go in. I need to figure out what the fuck is going on. And she was like, oh, sweetie, your pelvic floor is just really tight, you yeah. know? And, like, I didn't even know that could be a thing, you know? You yeah. hear about, like, rehabilitation post having a baby and pelvic floor not being tight enough. You know, that's yes. what you hear more of. But, like, the tightness of that, which makes a lot of sense given my physicality and, and what I do for work, like, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so I love that you are talking about that because I just, yes. as it hit home. So thank you for giving me the space to share that. You are so welcome. And it, it to me, like my frustration is that we are not equipped to understand our bodies and how they work. And my pelvic floor mm. PT 
showed me a very detailed diagram of the vulva and vagina. And I, I think I was like 25 or 26. And I was first so excited that mm. she was showing and explaining. Second, I got fucking pissed. Yeah. I was like, I should know this totally. about my body. Totally. And so that like, Established this connection with like that part of my body where I was like, I need to tend to it because mine was so extremely tight. Mm. The years of inflammation from my chronic illness had made everything get so tight that yeah. then that's why sex was so painful. That makes so much sense. I yeah. really appreciate you sharing that. Yes, absolutely. It, that was life changing to me. And then once I started dealing with the physicality, I knew I needed to change the way I had thought about it because now my body was yeah. primed to be scared to have sex and be like associating it with pain. I was going to say like because I think so often when we when we feel something physically in our bodies that is wrong or different or outside yeah. of the norm, right? We immediately go to physical remedies so often. Yes. And yes. I was going to ask like did you – and I know what your answer is going to be but I would love for you to expand on it. Like was your experience also like mental and like working through – you know, the maybe trauma around that. Cause I imagine if you're experiencing pain, I know for me, like for a while I was like, I don't know. Like now every time a penis is coming near me and you know, I'm like, is yes. this going to be painful? And it's, and your body naturally senses, but it's because the fear of it, it's because the, yes. the almost like PTSD response of it. So I'm curious yep. if you also experienced that. A hundred percent. Um, I knew I was dealing with the physical stuff and getting help and support there medically but I was also feeling that terror and then that guilt because my partner was being so wonderful, but, and but I felt so bad. So it was so layered with my own fear. Yeah. And that's when I kind of was like, I have to find a way to reconnect with this part of myself um, privately so that I can show up with another person and not be terrified and shut down. So that's when I started like changing, like, you know, my self-pleasure practice and how I masturbated and into being like, what does it look like to put things inside of my body by myself where there's no pressure of another person? I can go as slow as I need to. Not that the other person ever pressured me, but like we have this own dialogue that happens when we're having sex with other people. And so to just have it with myself, like with a mirror, with like, I really did it all the ways and over time built this trust that like, oh, okay, so I actually just penetrated myself with this, you know, toy and I'm okay. Yeah. And I had to do that again and again and again. And I started like talking to my pussy. Like I would literally ask her questions and like, just like, like, is this okay? How are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Because I had felt like that part of my body was shut down for so long. I was like, how do I reestablish a relationship? I felt like she was totally. pissed at me and I was pissed at her. So we had to like reconnect. I think it's so interesting that you talk about relationships being the core. And you also just said my relationship with my pussy. Yeah. And I want to really focus on this for a second because I personally don't feel like I had one for the longest time. And I know a lot of, of women listening are probably like, that is so not what I do. Like, I don't yeah. think I've ever looked at my pussy in a mirror. I don't yep. think I've spoken to my pussy. Like, yep. that feels really weird and outside of my comfort zone. And I get that because it was so outside of mine too. <laughs> and to be honest, like, I would say I'm pretty new into the 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 pleasure, like, practices. Like, I, you yes. know, it's something I've been – tinkering around with for like the last couple of years but it's yeah. certainly not something that I do consistently enough and I know that for myself and it's something I have yeah. to like 
consciously practice. But even now, having done it, I still find myself like judging myself for doing it. And I'm curious like what your thoughts are around why that is because I feel like I speak to so many women and like there just isn't a practice around this that is typical unless you speak to super spiritual humans Mm -hmm. like the spiritual world seems to have their shit together (laughs) when it comes to their pussy but most people don't and like why (laughs) yeah Oh, it's such a good question. It's so layered. I didn't have one either. Like I, I was always sexually curious and I would call myself, like I was the vagina friend in my friend group. Like Mm. I was comfortable talking about sex. I used to like pour through Cosmo magazine for better or worse. Um, and like, you know, if my friend was like, I have this weird bump, can you look at it or whatever? So I always had this like natural interest. Yeah. Like I was always that person. So that was kind of always there. I never actually like had a relationship. Like I would masturbate and like do those kinds of things, but it wasn't something that I like was like brought any intention to. It was just like something to fulfill a need. I do it quietly. It was like, let's have an orgasm and let's get the fuck out. Yeah. And a lot of times after I would feel this like weird sense of like almost feeling guilty. And like, I was not, my, my parents were pretty sex positive and my mom was very open to talking about it, but I still would carry that like kind of shame. And I think culturally, like depending on, you know, religious beliefs and how you grew up, depending on family narratives around sex and sexuality, your friend group, and then like wider culturally. Exactly. Like even if you have great friends, great parents, you don't have like purity culture, you know, suffocating you, the media alone is enough to make you feel like, okay, girls and women don't masturbate. And if we do, we don't talk about it very private. And And sex has to be fast and for the guy and like hard. It's done to us. Yeah. It's done to us. We are basically being used. Our bodies are being used as holes to enter. Yeah. Yeah. And I even noticed that like, I thought I was having good sex and I did, like I enjoyed sex when I was younger and exploring it. But as an adult, a grown woman looking back and like a lot of that was very performative. Totally. Like it was like, I'm good at this. And like, like, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I so identify. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was like, wow, I'm really good at this. Like people really like having sex with me. And like, I like, it was almost like I more enjoyed that than the actual sexual experience itself is what I figured out. And that's totally fine. Like some, that gets to be a part of something we like too. If like performing it is fun, great. But if you're also like, I want to feel more like an experience of it, that's different. So I have not always felt connected to my pussy and it was when I felt so disconnected is when I noticed that like, oh, should I have no relationship? I'm actually like, I feel really angry at my body. I feel like my body's angry at me based on how it's feeling physically. And so slowly starting to like, be like, how do I, I think my chronic illness forced me to pay attention to my body in a way I never had before. So that was the first that was the first indicator of like learning that I had to have an actual relationship with my body and parts of my body to know how to take care of it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know when I would have done that if I hadn't been forced to at such a young age. Totally. And then the pussy thing, like even now it's easy to ignore my body. Um, and I have to like bring attention to like that part of it. And it, it, it is when I explain to people and I'm like, you know, let's do pussy gazing like you have a handheld mirror do you have a full and they're like what the hell totally and it because it feels really weird but it's something that can be really healing and beautiful and it's 
it really is just cultivating a connection with that part of your body. Yeah. And I think, I think that speaks to something even bigger, which is, you know, where, where my focus tends to lie. And it's funny because I think we have different focuses, but it's all about coming home to our bodies ultimately, because I think that speaks a lot to the fact that we just, as women are so used to hiding our bodies and being ashamed of our bodies. Um, and I, I think that's, for a lot of reasons, I think, you know, our lineage says that we should. And I also think, you know, in a more specific um, way, I think our our media and diet culture has spoken to the fact that like we need to hide. And as somebody who has mm-hmm. years of recovering from an eating disorder, you know, it was so hard. And this is something I make all my clients do. And it is hard to stand in front of a mirror, butt naked and hold yourself. Oh, yeah. Like it is, it is a really scary and vulnerable thing. And so I'm imagining myself, you know, doing this in front of a mirror, which I've done a couple of times. And the first time I did it, I, you know, cause I'm like, I know what my pussy looks like. Cause I'm curious, yeah. but some people don't. And that's totally yeah. like normal. I think a lot of people don't know that, yep. but like, it's one thing to stand butt naked in front of a mirror because we occasionally do that anyways when we're in the shower or whatever. And it's a whole other thing to like prop up with your legs spread almost <laughs> like you're at the gyno, but you're in front of a mirror in your own home and be like, let me take a look, you know, like yes. that is that is the most vulnerable <laughs> thing to do ever, I, I think. <laughs> it really, no, it, you're 100% right because you'll see things that you've never seen before. And I think you're spot on with what you're saying about when we are taught to shrink, to even think about connecting with our sexuality as it belonging to us first and foremost Mm. and connecting with a part of our body that we're taught to like hide away is private, not talk about, like it's so uncomfortable to think about doing it. You know, but then you, and it's not like we don't see, like in my certification program, we looked at so many pictures of vulvas that it's like you get desensitized, but that's not normal for most people to look at like so many vulvas that like, you know, I went on a retreat and it was like, we were basically naked for a week together. And I was just staring at naked bodies constantly, but it it does like, it was so beautiful because you know, at first you're like in comparison. Totally. And then as time goes on, you just are in noticing, if that makes sense. Like you just mm. notice people and, and then it's just normal. And I mm. think just having these conversations starts to normalize it. Um, but I think a woman who reclaims her sexuality, who reclaims a relationship to her pussy is the opposite of a woman shrinking. So mm. that can feel really scary. If you've always been taught to be small, if I'm like, hey, like, let's get your pussy online. That can feel really threatening because it's like, you know that that's powerful. So you're going to take up space. Totally. I love that. Yeah. So you're, you're reminding me of a conversation I had with my husband, Kev. Like, it was a few years ago, definitely, like four or five years ago now. And he, you know, he made you know a comment about my pussy in like a positive way. And mm-hmm. I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, pussies look different. And at this time, I was not watching porn. This was not yeah. a part of my practice. So literally – I had never seen really like other than like occasionally being around some of my best friends when we're like changing or whatever. Like I've right. never like seen a pussy up close other than my no. And even then I hadn't really, you know. And yeah. it was this this man who had done all of these beautiful sculptures of like and they were like of women like different women like real women um and it was their their pussies and it was like this big sculpture wall of these different vulvas that you could see and 
it was this beautiful like photo of it and he sent it to me and he was like, see, they, there are so many varieties, like they're, they look different, you know? And I was like, what? And I didn't really, really like, that was a moment that shifted it for me. And then watching porn, obviously, but like, even then you see a very specific, Mm -hmm. unless you're seeing a a very nice porn site, which there are not a lot of out there of, of conscious ones. Um, you know, but I think for me, honestly, I think coming into my own sexuality as a bisexual woman and actually having experiences with women, it taught me to love my own in a whole new way, which is, I think, very interesting. Like, I didn't expect that to be the thing that, like, catalyzed my own, like, I want to actually get to know my girl, you know, like, and, like, really hold her and, like, love her and, like, um, and and experience pleasure in in a different way than I had really thought to before. I love that so much. And it, there's no shame if like, that's something that people haven't thought about yet. Sometimes we just don't think about it because we're not, no one's talking about it. So we don't even consider it, but we might feel like something's kind of missing or we're like, something's lacking in our lives or our sex lives. And it's like, well, do you have a connection with your own sexuality first Mm. and foremost? Like, what does that look like? Mm, I love that. Okay. So you're your journey of like coming into your chronic illness was a big piece of that mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. How has that evolved? Cause that was what your mid twenties. Yeah. So, I was diagnosed with that at 20. So how has that evolved as you've like continued your practice and also like come into your diagnosis of BRCA and beyond? Cause oh, yeah. that, I mean, <laughs> I know for me, my, my biggest fear and I write, I wrote about this in my book about this, but like my biggest fear was that like sex was going to be so different and that the whole experience of my body was going to be different. And I mean, I haven't even, you know, taken the second step and we've been having some, some conversations about that via, um, external to the podcast, which I actually kind of would love to talk to you about if you, if you're open to talking about that. So open to it. I'm just curious how that has like, yeah, progressed for you. Yeah, I would say, so my chronic illness for like two to three years, it spurred me to get alcohol sober, which I think saved my fucking life Mm -hmm. um, because I was headed down a very, very dangerous path with my drinking. So I had to get alcohol sober, which it still took me a few years to do that, if I'm being honest. Um, That was some really dark times, like getting sober at like 22 or 23 was like not cool and very isolating. So I started managing that, but it was years of pain and disconnection. And that's when my pussy was just totally offline and pretty shut down. And then um, I was starting to manage my illness better and understand like how to take care of myself, how to nourish myself, deal with stress. And I remember telling my therapist like, wow, I feel like I'm really turning a corner. I feel like I'm getting my life back. Like it feels so good. I feel like I said something like things are only going to go up from here. And literally two months later, I got the BRCA diagnosis. I was like, fuck me, fuck me. Um, yeah. And so like, I still was struggling with my sexuality and trying to figure that out and like pain. And then I cut off my breasts. And I think by like less than a year after doing that, I was like, I can't fucking live like this. Like my breasts are gone. My pussy feels broken. Like I felt like all my sex parts were just offline. And so that was a big part of everything for me of like really feeling like I wanted to do something about it and having such an amazing partner who's now my husband, Chris, like he and I learned how to have sex in different ways, which now, you know, you know, supporting people in sexuality and having studied it, 
I'm like, oh, this is like what people have been doing, and but we're not taught. It's like penis and vagina sex and penetration is like the pinnacle of sex. And that leaves out so many people who mm-hmm. don't have sex that way, whether they don't want to or they can't. Like, And so we learned how to be intimate with each other in so many different ways. And that was like really beautiful to be like, oh, sex can look like so many different things. Mm-hmm. And so that really, you know, pushed me along too, to where now like sex to me at this point, I also was scared that it was going to look different for me post my surgery. Um, But it really hasn't like it was about relearning my body. And like, I miss my breasts. I miss my nipple sensation so much. Me too. That was like a easy way for me to orgasm was like, (laughs) yeah. So I really miss that. But um, I don't know. I just feel like the way I have sex now is so much more nourishing and deeply satisfying than it Mm. ever was before. And I'm really grateful for that, but it comes from intentional practice and being like, you know, I'm going to make time to do this. Mm. And there's times where I don't feel sexual at all. And I kind of take a break and that's normal too. I love that you say that. I just want to highlight that for a second, because I think that I want to come back also to something you said before, but I think that that's something that so many of us feel like we need to be sexual all the time. Like, Mm. uh, I know I have felt that pressure, you know, and like there's the comparison game of like, well, how many times a week do you guys have sex, you know? And it's just, I'm like, why does this matter? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and like even thinking about like just coming back to our, our beings and our bodies, like there are some points in my cycle where like I'm just feeling less open, you know? Yep. And uh, I think clicking into my cycle and learning about that has been a huge godsend for me in that way. But like, I, I just, I think that that needs to just get debunked. So we're debunking yes. it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> One of my favorite teachers who I learned a lot from in sexuality, Layla Martin, taught us that our sexuality is cyclical. And so it moves in cycles. And if we think of it as like seasons, you've got like summer, fall, winter, spring. And so like there are times, whether it's in your menstrual cycle or just like life that you are in a winter and and your body is just like, you don't have much libido or sex drive. I'm like, can you just let it be okay and know that it'll come back? And if it really isn't and you're frustrated, then you can kind of get support. But like, we're not supposed to be in summer. And to me, that's connected to like toxic positivity and spiritual bypassing this whole like be positive all the time, like feel sexy all the time. It's like, you're just not going to, and like, leave it alone. It's okay. Yeah. So in terms of that, and in terms of some other stuff that you were talking about too, like, Mm -hmm. I I think it's so amazing that you've built this practice with, with your husband and like have had these experiences. But I think a lot of people don't have that. And I think that that's really normal because again, we're not taught how to, how to do that. And so I wonder like, how would you recommend to open the dialogue to creating that kind of experience with your partner or partners? Because I just think that being able to create a sex life is an intentional thing. It's not just something that's on automatic pilot and involves conversation. And also, you know, advocating for our needs is something I suck at and something I'm really learning at. Thank you, therapy. But I think that like part of that is being able to, you know, say around sex, which I think there's a lot of shame around this when we have to say like, I, I'm just not in a space for this right now. Yeah. So like, what are some of the the things that you would recommend, you know, being able to start that conversation with intention? 
yeah, I think first getting clear with yourself about what's happening for you, whether that's like through journaling or voice memo or talking it out with like a trusted non-judgmental friend or therapist to say like, what's happening for me? What do I want? What do I need? Um, so that you're clear first and you're not like fumbling your way of, I've been bad at doing this too, where I'm like figuring it out in the conversation. And, and my, yep. and Chris is like, I don't know What's what to happening? do information. Yeah. Like, do you want me to just listen feedback? And if I haven't yeah. been clear, then it can turn into like a fight because we're both confused. And yeah. I'm like, I'm being vulnerable. And he's like, I, I don't know what's happening. Totally. So getting really clear first with yourself as much as possible. And then saying like, Hey, I want to have a conversation with you about some things that I'm figuring out when it comes to like my sexuality and never doing that, like in the bedroom in the heat of the moment or like right after sex mm. or like, just let that not be where you talk about it. And I think the more that you practice having talks just about sex casually, then those conversations aren't always super heightened and stressful. Like just having regular talks and being like, oh, I really liked when we did blah, blah, blah last mm. week, or I love when you do this. Like, how did it feel when I like, just having those conversations regularly? So it's okay. not a big deal. Um, but knowing that like when you first bring this, the other person might feel threatened or scared because it's just not normalized to have the conversation. And so if they really can't, if you can't have that conversation, that's when like going to a therapist or getting support in some way can be really helpful so that you have somebody to kind of help I you navigate do. it. Yeah, because I I imagine that a lot of people listening are, have been in partnerships potentially for a significant amount of time without that as a baseline. And I think it can be really jarring to just immediately, and I, I know this from experience, yeah. because I've been the one who's been like, oh, I learned this new thing. I'm going to bring this to you without any context, without anything, and just be like, so let's talk about how our sex life is going. And it's like out of left <laughs> field. And it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? And like, luckily, like, you kept pretty used to a lot of my left field shit but like even then it's caused some friction when like yes it hasn't been intentional and I think that that can I get where that excitement comes from like you've learned a new thing or like you're thinking mm -hmm. about something for yourself and you really want to bring that to the person you love and also I think that there are really intentional ways to go about that that will lead to what you want instead of what you don't <laughs> yes a hundred percent I tell people all the time like it would have been so much easier for me to navigate a lot of the sexual stuff if I had been alone, because then there's like, it would just been me. So yeah. sometimes like people think like, oh, having another person alongside you, it's like, it can be great and wonderful, but also to have these kinds of conversations versus like, you're doing this all on your own. And when you start dating, that becomes the thing you lead with yeah, too. Yeah, the baseline so, that you can build upon. Totally. Yeah. And I think like I've had this question on panels and stuff in like the breasty community around like, well, what if your partner is not responsive to this stuff? And I always say like, give them some time and space, communicate that it's really important to you and it's important for the relationship and the health of the relationship. And understand that like people are human and sex can be triggering for us for a variety of reasons um, and just like leaving room for that. But if the person like refuses, that's a different conversation of like what kind of partner they are for you. And you totally. have to decide what you're okay with and what you're not. And, and what is important to, to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those could be yeah. hard things to oh, come yeah. to light. Oh yeah. 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 I've witnessed a lot of that as well in varying degrees. So I feel that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to pivot because something you talk about so much and that I think I personally come to your page 
every day. One, because I love you. But two, because I just, (laughs) I know I need these reminders every day is how important it is to focus on pleasure. And I feel like that is something that we have moved so far away from in society. And I also think it's something that there is a lot of like misconception around what that even looks like. So I'm just curious from your mouth, like what is pleasure to you? Oh, it is anything that activates my senses and makes me feel good, nourished, loved. Mm -hmm. So what could that look like, for example? Okay. I mean, the obvious would be anything sex related. You know, I think that's what people first think of. But the other things could literally be me curling up, like swaddling myself in blankets on the couch um, and like letting myself have a cry or or watch a TV show. It could be me being like, okay, I'm going to go out for a bike ride around the neighborhood. Even though I feel like I have all these things I don't have time, I'm going to do that first to take care of myself and give that. I deserve to feel good, right? Mm. Um, It could be working out. It could be like making a smoothie or um, like eating a slice of pie. Like it can look like so many things. And it can be like, I really want to call my sister and just like hear her voice and ask her to tell me she loves me and everything's going to be okay. Like, and that feels really good. Mm, I'm like tearing up because you saying I deserve to feel good. Yeah. I just want us all to like breathe that in (laughs) because I think especially as like female identified humans, we have been taught for so many years that that is not true. Mm. And I know that. I personally identify with that as like just like such a gift to receive because I feel like I'm like really getting choked up right now, y'all, because I feel like I spent so many years like punishing myself. Yes. And that that was the only thing to focus on, you know? Yeah. And I think I see so many of my clients doing that. I see so many of all of you listening doing that. And and it's normal. I think it's so normal. But I think switching – switching over to the concept of like you you are deserving of that like I just want to speak like let let those words really sink in because it's true we are all individually deserving of that and I think the beauty of pleasure practices is to flip like almost like you're turning the script or flip the script or like turning a button on that hasn't been fucking on in a really long time maybe ever in your life and saying it's okay for me to sit here and like actually enjoy this smoothie that I'm drinking instead of just scarfing it down while I'm sending out an email yeah yes and it can be as simple as that or like I'm going to take time to like put this lotion on my body instead Mm -hmm. of just like slather it on post shower and then like run with my hair like this I'm just thinking about like me now versus me like five, like five plus years ago where I was just constantly like not living for pleasure in any way. Yes. (sighs) So many feels. I know. And it it is like, it does, you know, there's an emotional reaction. Like I was a huge self punisher for so many years. So like, I'm saying all of this from a place of like, I didn't just like live as like, oh, naturally hedonistic and this is easy. This does not come naturally to me. Yeah. So I just want to affirm like you and anyone listening that if you feel so far from this even being possible, like it was so far from me, mm-hmm. right? And even like my chronic illness, I was so mad at my body that I actually would like make it, I'd cause myself more pain because I was so angry. 
And then I started being like, why am I doing this? And what I work with clients on, you know, when I worked as a therapist and now as a coach is like, can we see ourselves the way that we see someone we love? Like, would you treat your best friend the way and talk to her the way you're talking to yourself? Can you see that you have an inner child inside of you that needs to be nourished? And can you imagine like, if you were your own child, how would you respond to yourself? Would Mm -hmm. you be like, yeah, you should feel like shit because you didn't get enough done. Like, no. And I used to use uh, pleasure as a reward. Once I got enough shit done, the treat yourself mentality. Yeah. Treat yourself. It's like, okay, then I was going to be waiting forever then. Yep. It was never going to happen. And yeah. when I was actually treating myself, I was still thinking about all the shit that I had to do and that I didn't mm. deserve it. And so it is like you're flipping the narrative to be like pleasure first, pleasure in the middle of the day. And then like when I'm doing other things, I'm like, oh, I'm less stressed. I'm approaching yeah. this differently. Like I feel like I'm taking care of myself truly. And you do end up more productive like yes. with the things that are actually on the to-do list or within the work day. Like yeah. I, I I think it's it feels backwards because it's not what we're taught and how we're programmed, <laughs> yeah. but like try it. Just try yeah. it and like see what it feels like to like, yeah, like you said, go for a walk in the middle of the day, a 30-minute mm-hmm. walk with yourself and like literally touch the leaves on the trees. Like they're yeah. turning right now and it's so beautiful. And all I want to do is like be outside and like breathe in the air. You don't have to have – anything else going on but the moment that you're in and then come back yeah. and do what you have to do right now I so identify with this because I'm packing my fucking house and like yes as we're recording this I'm like moving in four days and like in just a sea of talking to my lenders and talking to my you know like my real estate agent and getting all of that and not to mention running a business at the same time and it's like I need to remember that I have to put me first. And so my practices haven't changed. If anything, I've like amplified them during this time because otherwise like I will be a raging bitch. Yeah. And not at all serving anybody, let alone myself. Yes. And I think that kind of like, if you feel rage, anger, those are like indicators that some part of you needs something like Mm -hmm. needs to be tended to. So when I find myself in those spaces too, I'm like, Am I taking care of myself? Like, am I being honest with myself? Mm. And I look at pleasure as a form of self-care. Like, it, it just, it gets to be a part of it. I love it. I love it. Okay, I want to briefly touch on this before we wrap up. Maybe not so briefly. I don't know. We'll see where this goes. But <laughs> okay. we talked about BRCA. And I, I know that mm-hmm. obviously we've talked about, you know, both going through the double mastectomy process and that that's been a, a part of your journey. But as I mentioned earlier, and maybe – I don't know that I've actually openly talked about this on the podcast yet because I have been kind of, to be quite frank, pushing it down within my own self because I don't want to face it. Um, But it's this other half, which is, you know, the ovarian cancer piece of it being at Mm -hmm. high risk. So I know that we've been personally talking about this a little bit, but I'm curious, like, how are you feeling around your pleasure and your body when it comes to navigating that, um, yeah, for yourself? Honestly, sad, so sad, so sad at the thought of having to remove my ovaries at some point. Um, You know, I feel I had a gynecologist who was like, you know, she recommends, you know, a total like you take the uterus, the ovaries, cervix, right? Things that I'm like, I I actually like pleasure my cervix. (laughs) in my self-pleasure practice and like the thought of taking it out is so upsetting 
So I'm kind of at the point right now where I'm 29. So I'm not doing that. I'm not ready to have kids and kind of navigating the balance of like, sometimes I'm like, fuck it. I'm not having the surgery. I don't want to, I I don't want to do it. I'm not doing it. And then the reality of being a pre-viver and the privilege of even having a choice and, you know, people that didn't have a choice and how deadly ovarian cancer is like, I feel a lot of sadness. I feel fear because my chronic illness mimics symptoms of ovarian cancer. So So I'm like, Oh, I would have no idea. I would literally have probably no idea, but also trusting that I might have some sense because I have such a deep connection. I was going to say, because of the work you do, like, I would be really surprised if you weren't, because you are so in tune with that part of yourself. Like, I would, I would be really surprised if you didn't know. Yeah, but it's scary. And I just feel sad about it sometimes because I'm like, I wish it was just the breast piece because it's like, okay, I did that. (laughs) This feels so scary. Yeah. So for those of you who may not know this whole piece or haven't read my book yet, um, what, what we're talking about is that by the age of 35, anyone who has BRCA1 or 2 um, is recommended um, to preventively, preventatively, word, that is hard word, um, remove your ovaries, remove, there there are multiple ways of navigating this. It is very, very un- if there's also so much uncertainty in the medical community mm-hmm. around this, which I think is part yeah. of part of it, but you know, we we do have such a high risk of developing ovarian cancer. And the thing about ovarian cancer is it is so less like there are not really a lot of 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 very simple ways of knowing that it's mm-hmm. it, it, within us. Um and it often progresses very, very, very quickly and suddenly. And it's just not something that I personally have any desire to risk or play around. And it's very scary to consider. Um, But also on the flip side, it's, it puts anybody who is, I mean, we are the exact same age right now and navigating, you know, I, I made a deal with my therapist. I've never talked about this on the podcast before, but I made a deal with my therapist two years ago when I first found out about my BRCA diagnosis that I wasn't going to think about the ovarian piece until I was 30. Yeah. And a big piece of this is because, you know, for one, it made me start to think about the kids factor, which like yes. for the longest time I knew I wanted kids pre finding out about BRCA. And then as soon as I got my BRCA diagnosis, it was like, I don't fucking want them. Yeah. And it's been this really interesting thing where like, I honestly don't know. I'm still really leaning towards the, I don't think I do. But the fact that like, there's the question mark over my head of like, what if I what if I'm 35 and I wake up and I realize I want kids and my I can't you know yes. and like I'm all for adoption so like that ultimately isn't really the end of the world for me it's more of the fact that like well I will be going into menopause probably you know at Same. 35 years old and how is that going to impact my life my sex life like 30s are supposed to be your most fucking vibrant years in the world and here I am going to be like experiencing fucking those symptoms and like I feel for my cancer friends who are who are going through that like oh yeah in their 20s like I see and I've witnessed it in them and it just like it makes me so scared and like I feel I feel so vulnerable and I'm like how do you connect to your pleasure when you're experiencing that like before your body naturally has intended it to yeah and I I don't know if you resonate with that but that's really where I do I do there's almost it reminds me of grief uh, like 
almost like if we detach from loving people fully because we know they're dying or they're going to die and we're scared and say like, if I let myself love them fully, then their death is going to hurt so much more. And that that's not necessarily true. There's so much pain and not going there. So like, it can be scary. Sometimes I'm like, I'm scared to be so connected to this part of myself because then I'm going to lose it and how upsetting that is. But um, yeah, there's not a simple answer here. It's really heavy shit and it's hard to navigate. And I will say, this is what I will say in other traditions that are not American menopause is seen as like the second chapter of life Mm, for women like a rebirth a rebirth of like okay sex is not about fertility and babies anymore now sex is only for you your body if we're just thinking of it and like you know your your physicality so and you know there's women that have amazing sex and they're postmenopausal. So I hold on to hope for that, but there's a very real difference of like hitting that in your forties, fifties versus mid thirties. And like, it's such an individual choice. That shit sucks. I like, you know, there's a lot of empowerment in these communities, but this fucking sucks too. And I think that's just important to honor. Mm, Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that we'll be having more conversations about this on the podcast. Maybe we should do an entire like future episode, you and me just about this piece. Once I've like started to actively because I you know yes I'm gonna be 30 soon so like I feel like I'm gonna really start actually actively like figuring this piece out for myself um but I'm also giving myself the grace to like not have any answers right now yeah sometimes you just have to go I don't know and I don't know when I will know and that is what it is too totally I love that okay are you ready for some fast fun questions before we wrap up (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay um what is the biggest lesson that this pandemic has taught you I'm asking this to everybody who's coming on like in the pandemic space because I'm like this has been the fucking wildest year and I just feel like everyone has their own thing you know (laughs) okay my like initial thing is say I don't know shit about shit like (laughs) that's what it is really it's like the only thing I'm an expert in is myself and that's hard enough and to figure that out and you know people position themselves as experts on everything and we're watching the world burn and I'm just like this is nobody's nobody knows knows anything no one knows anything and I'm tired of everyone pretending that they do like no one knows Mm. I don't know they don't know the end completely just tickled me so much okay something that is exciting you lately when you ask that see this is like my relationship with my pussy she literally like squeezes she's like what's exciting something that's exciting me lately oh I'm working on my business and like showing up and doing it from a non-bro marketing like human first Mm. approach and just expanding it and supporting more um, women and just being more visible in what I talk about, that makes me feel so excited and just that. happy to be alive. I've loved seeing you share more and more, in your, especially in your stories. Like just uh, I feel so aligned with, with the way I love to do life, and I'm just like, this is my human. I love that. Yeah, okay. thank you. Something you wish to release or let go of? Um. the sometimes the overthinking mm. like I getting in my own way I've you know that's always been something I've kind of struggled with so this I like getting in my own way and feeling like I have to have everything figured out before I do something 
Ugh, so annoying. I think that's a very common – it's like so – especially like the women I meet who are like trying – and especially my clients who are like thinking about starting a business yeah. and they've been sitting on an idea for like a year and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. sister friend. I will it sit on something. time forever. for you to just take some messy action and do the damn thing because nobody else is you and that's what matters more than anything. <laughs> yes. No, I feel you on that. That shit is scary too. <laughs> yeah, I get it though. But like I'm a recovering perfectionist, so I get it. But Dang. I'm like, you just can't. You can't because nothing's ever going to happen. <laughs> no. And then you'll do nothing because nothing will ever. I, I also call myself a recovering perfectionist. So I love that you said that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Last question. Okay. What does it mean to you to live your fuck yes life? Oh, it just feels like I get to choose how I do things. Mm-hmm. Like I get to choose how I work. I get to choose how I fuck. <laughs> I get to choose what my relationship and marriage looks like. It means like whatever the shoulds are and the things mm-hmm. that we were taught, I get to peel all of that off of my body and I only keep the things that feel so good and everything else, I set that shit on fire mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, my way. I set do it, it my ablaze. way. Oh, I love it. We are the same. Yeah. <laughs> we're just the yeah. same. I think if there's anything y'all have realized while listening to this, it's that we are the same. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, you, the more you've talked about relationships and sexuality and like really sharing that, um, first of all, I love that you're sharing that. It's so incredible to see because Mm -hmm. it's not talked about. And I think people think of like, you know, even things like kink and all there's things that I talk about too, and people get freaked out Totally. and you know, it's uncomfortable to, to, you know, trigger people in that way, but you sharing like that, it opens the door for people Number one, people that are already doing it in secret to feel like, oh, they're not alone. Number two, people that are like, oh, there's a different way that it can be done. That's one of my favorite things is to be like, hey, we don't have to all do it like Mm. this, like monogamy and sexuality and like work. It can all be done our way. There's not one blueprint. Yeah. That is what the last few years have taught me to really just – like sucker into and just step into that space because I've never felt that way, but the world teaches us that we have to yes. conform yeah. and the whole box building thing, you know, like I had these boxes around me for the longest time and it's like, fuck the boxes. Yes. I am creating my own. And yeah. maybe really they're not even boxes, more like giant containers of goodness. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, it's so beautiful. And like truly as a therapist, I w- it, when I worked with people in that realm, I would see them. And a lot of times it was, it was women in their 40s that were looking around and considering for the first time in their lives what they wanted yeah. and realizing the life that they created felt like a prison to them. Totally. And how do we like rip this all apart and start again? So the younger people, it's scary to be brave to ask questions because you might have to dismantle things. And that feels really scary. Totally. But they like those questions are never going to go away. Mm hmm. So if you can be brave enough to like tell the truth to yourself, it's like your whole life can change. Yeah. I love that. I so identify with that. And I really appreciate the love. Um, It has been really scary to talk about openly. Um, And if there's anything I've, I've learned, it's, you know, fear is my jam. Fear is my, fear is my best friend. And like, I just want to crash into it and choose to constantly move towards it because it's always, always going to teach me so much. And, you know, it's funny that that you said that it's going to like hold space for people who are already in that space to be seen. I cannot tell you the amount of messages I have gotten from people who are 
in E&M or thinking about being in E&M and like yeah. really talking or like have been poly for years. And and yeah. I know these humans, like they're my followers. And like, if you are in my community, I know your heart. Like if we've spoken via DM, like we, we are, we are in sync with each other. And it's just like, oh, so cool that now we get to have these kind of conversations and like me letting that go will maybe allow them to like also release that wall. Um, that is it. my mission in life is just to be my fullest self and hope that it allows someone else to be that for them too. It gives people permission. They're like, if she can do that, maybe I can consider mm. this too. Yeah. So beautiful. Well, I feel the same about the work that you do. And I just, I adore you so much. I'm so, so grateful that you came on the podcast and that I got to share your being and your teachings and just everything that you are. Um, I know everyone is going to want to just like constantly connect with you and like immediately get into your sphere. So can you let everyone know, this is all going to be in the show notes too, but let everyone know like how they can find you, where they can connect with you and all that good stuff. Yes. Find me on Instagram at Alyssa M. Pressman and always feel free to send me a DM. That's where I spend most of my time connecting with people uh, right now. I love it so much. Thank you so much for being here. You're the best. Yes. Thank you for having me. And there you have it. Thank you, Alyssa, so much for this conversation and just being your beautiful, amazing self. And for all of the things that we discussed in the episode and that I shared in the beginning as well, um, you can check them out of the show notes. Um, just, you know, swipe over. Um, <laughs> or you can... Um, See them over at amandacatherinelloy.com forward slash podcast forward slash 106. I'm sending you all so much love and um, I hope this was as much of a light as um, I know it was for me, for your heart, and that you uh, go over to Alyssa's feed and just bring her magic into your space. Um, follow her. Um, I know that she, I literally search for her every single day so that I can um, just feel some really grounded and real vibes because it's rare to find, I think, and um, I'm just grateful to have her in my life, and I'm really excited for all of you to get to also experience her in a more deep way than this podcast, Um, even though we went deep, (laughs) and I'm also uh, really looking forward to seeing all of your faces in the Live Your Fuck Yes Life virtual summit, um, the Facebook group is group is officially open um, for all of you snagging your tickets. So um, I'll see you over there. And again, you can just find it on Eventbrite at Live Your Fuck Yes Life Fuck um, with the you know asterisks where the you might be <laughs> virtual summit um, and snag your tickets there. Um, every all the info and everything that you. Um, will be receiving is in that space as well so you can see all the amazing guest speakers and what uh, what incredible workshops are coming your way and um, yeah I'm just really excited to be in there with you so hang tight and uh, I'm, I'm here in this with you and I will see you on Instagram and or maybe not <laughs> if I'm taking some time we'll see um, but in the meantime I love y'all and I'll see you next week and yeah Bye-bye.